artists first. Uh, and so we want to figure out and try to determine what we can apply from God's word tonight for our local church. Here's what God's word says. And to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things says he who hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father in heaven, teach us these lessons from the church of Sardis. We don't want to be a church that has a name, has a reputation, appears to be alive, has well-manicured property and lots of activity, but we would really be spiritually dead. We do not want this type of church, Father. Revive us. Bring about great repentance and great concern. Please, Father, put in us vigilance and watchfulness that we would never leave our church unguarded. And we pray these things, asking for the help and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it through the word of God and through the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. So I want to direct your attention to this interesting phrase here. Verse, look at verse 3. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, here it is. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Wow. I can tell you that that's a, the most remarkable phrase about Sardis. The Lord says in that verse, at the end of verse 3, therefore, if you will not watch. There's something about watching and being guarded that the Sardis church completely ignored. It's because the church of Sardis was located in the city of Sardis. It was. The church of Sardis was in the city of Sardis. But let me tell you about the city of Sardis. If you were to go down to Mount Tmolus, Mount Tmolus is 950 feet tall. It is a gigantic hill made out of soft limestone. And on the top of this hill was the city of Sardis. They actually had a lower city down at the base of the Acropolis, but the main city was up on top, and it was well fortified because... To get up there was almost impossible. So you could have just a few people defend the entire city from a huge army. And so on the southern side of this hill, can you picture it? Can you picture a gigantic city with thousands of people milling around, shopping and buying clothes and eating food and having parties and dinners and they're going to church and they're doing all these things. And then they go home at night and they sleep and while they're sleeping, something happens. On the southern side of the cliff, which was absolutely almost unscalable, there was a Roman army that was at the base, uh, I'm sorry, a Persian army by Cyrus, King Cyrus of the Persians in 549 BC. He said, I will give a great reward to any of my men that can find a way up into Sardis, get over the wall and conquer that city. Great, great reward if you can do that. And so for 14 days, the armies at the base went, how do we get up there? How do we get up there? How do we get up there? Meanwhile, up on the wall was, a, was one of the Sardian soldiers. And he had his helmet, he's goofing around, maybe playing with his helmet, and it drops off the cliff, and it bounces down this nearly impenetrable 
um, this nearly unscalable face of, of the cliff, and a man named Hierodius, one of the soldiers at the bottom, he's watching, and he sees the man crawl over the wall, and he comes down this exact path in a little crevice, and Herodias knew, that's how I'm gonna get in the city tonight. So when everybody in Sardis was sound asleep, Herodias took a few of his men, he got to the base of the cliff, he found the exact crevice and the exact place that he had memorized that this man had taken, and he got up to the top, he climbed over the wall, and guess what? Unguarded, unguarded. Sardis was so complacent, they thought nobody's gonna get into us, we don't even need to set a guard on this wall. Crept over, conquered the whole city, 549 BC. You think that's amazing? I wanna take you to 214 BC. You think Sardis would learn their lesson? In 214 BC, there was a man named Antiochus the Great, and he has his army at the base, and he's thinking, how do I conquer Sardis? And you know what he does? He hears from history how it was done, and he thinks, I'm gonna do the same thing. And he goes up the exact same path he crawls over the wall of the city, and guess what? Not one sentry, not one guard on watch. Not a single guard on watch. That city gets conquered twice by the exact same method, and they never learn their lesson. Isn't that scary? Could it be that our church is going to maybe learn some scriptural, biblical, spiritual lessons, and then we don't learn it? And then we have to relearn it again, and again, and again? Boys, take heed to God's word. So the Lord says, Sardis, church, don't be like the city. Therefore, you better be on watch. Because if you're not on watch, I'm going to be like a thief in the night, and I'm going to come over your church walls, and I'm going to conquer you. Is that scary? You bet it is. Let's talk about how, let's talk about how the Lord Jesus describes himself. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. This is how Jesus describes himself. If you were sitting in a Sardis church right now, and you had just received this parchment from the Apostle John, you'd be like, oh good, I want to find out what the Lord has to say for us. And the first thing you hear is, the Lord has the seven spirits in his hand. You know, the seven spirits, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. The sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is wise, he's full of counsel, he's full of might. He's, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 gives us all of those sevenfold ministries of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is saying, I have the Holy Spirit in my hand, and if you want life, it has to come from the Spirit of God. You know the definition of life? My spirit inhabits my body. The moment my spirit leaves my body, what am I? I'm dead. You know what makes a church dead? The moment the spirit leaves the church. And when the Holy Spirit leaves our church, we are dead. I don't care how much life you think you have. There is a very tragic commentary in the book of Judges, chapter 16, verse 20. It is Samson and Delilah. Now, Samson was a great man of power and strength. And yet, there's one thing he could never get a hold of. His passions and lusts. This man. And you know the story of Delilah after he did everything. God said, I don't want you to be around any grapes. Nothing of the fruit of the vine. What does he do? He goes down into the vineyards and marries a Philistine woman. And then, then he could never touch a dead animal. And he rips open, a, a, he kills a lion and leaves it on the side of the road. And he sees a bunch of bees nesting and making honey in there. And he reaches and he touches the dead carcass. Samson, you were told not to be by the grapes. Don't go by the vineyard. You're told not to touch a carcass. Don't touch a carcass. What are you doing? And God gives grace upon grace upon grace until Delilah has him. 
And then he lies to Delilah. Oh, Delilah says, oh, Samson, Sammy, tell me, what's the secret of your strength? Oh, I'll tell you what it is. And he lies, and he breaks through, and he has the victory of the day. And then she's like, Samson, you're not being nice to me. Tell me the truth this time. He lies to her again. You know, you know the story. Finally, he tells her the truth. She cuts off his hair. But here's the tragic commentary in verse 20. Samson did not know the Lord departed from him. He didn't know. He thought this is just going to be like every other time. He didn't even realize the very power of the Holy Spirit that directed his life was gone from him. Let me ask you a question. Could it be that the Holy Spirit would leave our ministry here? Completely leave our ministry. No power, no guidance of the Holy Spirit. Would we know are we so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we would know the moment that he was grieved and he said, I'm not going to be here to participate in this type of thing. Listen, our praying in the Spirit, man, it's got to be praying in the Spirit. And if we're not praying, like Jude, chapter, Jude verse 20 says, if we're not praying in the Spirit, God's not going to hear our prayers. But do we know if we're praying in the Spirit or not? We should know. We should clearly know. By the way, I'm supposed to preach in the Spirit. I have to know if the Holy Spirit is directing my life so that I can preach effectively and, and, and accurately the Word of God. And I need to know, am I preaching in the Spirit? And if the Holy Spirit left me, would I even know it or could I still go through the motions? You see what I'm saying? We're to live in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, and we're supposed to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, verse 16. Can you tell when you're walking this week in your Christian life whether the Holy Spirit's guiding and empowering you or not? We, we better know. You better know if the Holy Spirit's not directing your life. You should know, and, and we should just know these things. The Sardis Church, they didn't know. It was like the greatest church around. They had everything. They had activity. They had children's things. They had prime timers, prime timers things. They had activities. They had all things going on. The Lord looks, and he, with the seven spirits in his hand, he says, listen, the Spirit isn't there with you. I'm the one that gives the Spirit, and you don't have it. And you want life in your church? You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit's power. But he also have, has in his hand the seven stars, which we know to be the seven pastors. I think the Lord wants spirit-led churches with leadership of local pastors, with, with pastors. Godly, spirit-filled pastors that are led and directed and can lead the church in spirit-led ways. Don't you agree? This is what it's all about, is being led with godly leadership, with life of the Holy Spirit in everything. So we know... Our, like when, if you were here last Wednesday, this past Wednesday night, talk about prayer and our, and our uh, spirit working in our prayer life. Phenomenal! It was like it was bubbling almost. There was such an electricity as we prayed. Not, and I'm not charismatic by any means. You know that. But we need to know the spirit of God is working in our midst. Well, let's continue on. Look what a great church this is. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. All right, so he gives them credit they had works and that they have a name. They had a reputation. You go in that whole valley where Mount Tobolus was, and you were to say, oh, I'd like to go to a local church. Oh, man, you got to go to the Sardis Church. Well, they are the best. They have the best coffee bars. They have the best refreshments. They have the best song time. You want song time? Go to Sardis. They had a name. They had a reputation. Everybody thought this is the church to be a part of. Do you know that in the modern evangelical, new evangelical movement, that's kind of the... The idea of it's got to be flashy and big and draw and attract versus accurately preach the truth, which deals with some pretty hard things. I mean, 
I want our church to grow. I want it to grow and prosper and, and build up so we can reach more and more disciples for Christ, but not ever at the expense of truth. So the Lord says this, I know your works, that you have a name and you're alive, but you are dead. Again, his prognosis was a dead church. Churches that are going to die, they rely on their past and their tradition. Our church has been around over 40 years. It is so easy to rely on the fact that, well, we don't have to worry about finances. We don't have to worry about a lot of things. We get, you know, but you remember, do you remember back when the church was young and new? A visitor came in, what'd you do? Oh, everybody wants to disciple that visitor. Oh, we want them to be a part of our group. We want them to grow, and then they're going to reach their neighbors, and we're going to reach all of Town for the Lord Jesus. And then another visitor would come in, and we'd be like, oh, yes, we've got to reach them, because if they know Jesus, then it's going to be great. God's going to do a great thing. But after 40 years, what do we do? Well, I've been doing this for 40 years. Let's just sing the song and go home. It's an October evening. It's nice out. No, it's, you see what I'm saying? Um, we can rely on our past and our traditions. We begin to, slow, to go into a slow death. A very a, a slow death. Sometimes we like form rather than spiritual life. Sometimes we like to, we like to dot the I's and cross the T's and be exact with our form without realizing there's a spiritual life to it. And we can depend on form. You know what Paul says to Timothy? Many of the false teachers or false believers in that age were having a form of godliness but denying the power. They looked like a church, they sounded like a church, they acted like a church, but no power. They had an outside form of godliness. They wore the clothes, they sang the songs, they did the things, but the heart and the spirit, no power. Don't you want power in our church? When we pray, God says, wow, that is a group that depends on me and trusts me. I'm going to answer them prayer upon prayer upon prayer. When we pray, pray for the preaching, because we want the preaching to go forth and minister to many, many hearts. The singing, listen, sing with all your gusto. We're singing about the cross and about our Savior and our redemption and our home in heaven. And wow, it's just, it's just thrilling. This is what it's all about. And so the Lord Jesus says, uh, I don't want a dead church. Dead church is about form rather than life. They prefer religion over a relationship. And they focus on material things versus spiritual things. Oh, if we could spend more time on spiritual things than on the material things. Wouldn't our church be powerful? Very powerful in the spirit of Jesus. We can put as much time into spiritual things as we do into material things. Well, here's what the Lord, here's what the Lord says to counsel the church quickly. And many of these are just so simple, but I just I want to warn you, but I also want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to like make this a pattern in your life. First of all, be watchful. Now you understand why he says that. Was the city of Sardis watchful? No! Twice! People, the enemy came in the very same way twice. How many times do you have to be burned to learn that you don't want to touch that or do that again? Hopefully, we only have to do it once. And then after that, we're never going to do that again. Remember that when you burned your hands, Melissa? She burned her hands with a roasting oven. We weren't quite sure where to put the water. We now know where not to. You don't put the water where the hot coils are. All it does is create steam and very, very hot water. And Melissa was lifting that thing up on a Thanksgiving day and burned her hands. And I'll tell you what, we learned every time we see a roaster, we're thinking, never do that again. The Sardis church, they just didn't learn their lesson. Listen, when you fall into sin, why would you go back to those same things? 
Why would you watch that or go there or do that if that's what's going to lead you into sin? You do that and you're going to fall into a death. It's going to be catastrophic and destructive for you. So listen, everybody, just be watchful. Be on guard all week. The devil is a roaring lion, and he is waiting for one of us little sheep to go astray, to get a little bit off the path, and he is going to pounce all over us. Be watchful. Be on guard. Don't ever let the enemy do the same thing you did twice. Right? Just be on guard. Then he says this, strengthen the things which remain. There were godly people in Sardis. We don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. But they loved the Lord, and they, they were not dead. They were alive. And Jesus says, strengthen those things that remain. Those good things, you disciple them. You know what should be a core part of our church and worship? Discipleship. When you sing hymns, you are being trained in God's word. You're being trained in truth. When you listen to a Grace Shingledecker sing a, a special like that, we are being trained and taught about our wretched condition coming before our holy Savior, thanking him for our salvation. Wow. We should always be thinking, I need to be trained. You know what discipleship is? Being trained. Oh, I have learned from some of you how to witness. Where did I learn that? I learned it from you watching your lives. Where did I learn to study the Bible? From you watching your lives as I grew up in this church. Where did I learn how to pray? From listening to you guys pray while I was here growing as a new believer. So this is what we need to do. We need to strengthen one another. So if you see somebody who's growing weak, maybe discouraged, maybe growing faint-hearted, what do you do? You, you don't kick them down. You go up and you build them up. You restore them. And you say, hey, let's talk about the word of God. Let's look at this. What does God's word have to say? Here's a verse to memorize. I'll call you and we'll practice it tomorrow over the phone. Whatever it takes, we just strengthen each other. Strengthen all that remains. And then you know what? The devil's never going to have an in in this church. He just won't be able to get in. Because we're going to be so strong in the power of the spirit. He goes on and he says this. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Man, it sounds almost like you're on life support. I think the Lord's looking at the church, and he's looking at the, mon the heart monitor thing, thinking, man, I think we have one gasp of breath left. So he quickly says, be watchful, strengthen the things which remain, which are ready to die. And some of us might be almost comatose. I don't know. But don't go there. Um, get a, a, what is it, AED or whatever, and get, get Odafat and get your heart running beating again. Um, then he says this, for I have not found your works perfect before God. We don't want that condemnation from our church. Verse 3, remember therefore. Can I tell you why I'm so glad you're here tonight? There's one thing that you need to do as a believer. Of course, be watchful and strengthen. But you need to remember, because we have a way of forgetting that we were cleansed from our sins. And if we forget we're cleansed from our sins, we go back to our sins, and we forget about our Savior. Tonight, we are remembering. When you eat the bread, it's not mystical, and you're not getting any special power, and it really is, you're not probably getting any nutrients either, but what you are doing is you're remembering. You're, 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 you're thinking, this is what I was like as a wretched sinner, but now Christ, deep, rich in mercy, has saved me. You are remembering. You are doing what Jesus said the Sardis church must do. We are remembering. When you drink the cup, you are remembering. My sin brought a holy Savior to this world to die on a cross and his blood being shed and poured out for me. So we need to remember. 
my spiritual birthday was yesterday. I think it was 23 years ago yesterday that I was born and I was saved. And, and, and I, I'll tell you what, I don't forget that. Because for me, it was darkness to light, life, it was death to life. I can never forget it. To this day, I just think about it and I can just picture, I can picture the Lord opening my eyes to the gospel. I'll never forget my baptism either. I remember exactly going under the water and coming out and saying, my allegiance is to my King, my Savior, Jesus Christ. So remember those things. So what do we do? Be watchful, strengthen the things that remain. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. And then the next thing, hold fast. We heard that this morning, didn't we? Hold fast to the truth. Don't waver. Don't listen to other uh, itching uh, philosophies and other delightful things that the world has to say. You'll hear many times, just smile. If you smile, God's going to bring about a great thing. If you give 100, God will give you 200. If you just think a happy thought, you'll be happy from the inside out. I mean, just be so careful. All of those things, listen, that is just delightful, entertaining, and that, you don't hold fast to that. That'll just crumble you. You hold fast to that doctrine which we have learned. We have covered book after book of the, of the Old and New Testament, haven't we? Don't, don't ever forget those. Go back and hold fast to all of that truth. And then quickly, repent. Have a change of your mind. Be convicted and convinced in your mind that, that we have, are wrong in that area, and as a result, our behavior will change. Do you know what happened to the Corinthian church when they repented? Because they were, you guys, the Corinthian church was deep in sin. Ugly, ugly sin, deep in sin. Paul writes to them, and he has a painful letter he writes, but then he writes a good letter to them, which we have as Second Corinthians. And he says, oh, Corinthians, when you repented, there was all of a sudden some great results. You all of a sudden had diligence. You had great zeal. You had love for me and you had love for others. And on and on and on. Read 2 Corinthians 7, and you'll find out all the fruits of repentance for a believer. When you repent, those things should be found in your life, visible. And then he goes on, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And I think he's going to just close their church right now. He's not going to let it keep going. It's dead. You, you, at some point, you got to bury him. So he's like, church, I'm going to come like a thief in the night, and I'm just going to put you down. You're going to be put under. Um, can I ask you a question? Do you really think he would do that? Would Jesus really do that to one of his churches? Come as a thief in the night against them? Yeah. Like that, like those Persian soldiers in Antiochus, or Antiochus would come and conquer Sardis. Would Jesus ever do that? Absolutely he will. Because he's not going to let his testimony and reputation be shamed in our community. And if we don't shape up, he's going to close the door. He's going to get some other lampstand to be here to show a light to his community. So it's convicting, isn't it? It's challenging. And then he, here are the blessings. Here, oh, very quickly, the blessings. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. Oh, praise the Lord for the remnant. There's always a few faithful believers. And I'm so thankful that you, faithful believers, are here tonight. You are the few that have not filed your name uh, amongst uh, Christianity today in the world. You have a few names who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Three promises. He who overcomes, verse 5, shall be clothed in white garments. White garments are the righteous acts of the saints. Right now, you are weaving together your future clothing for heaven. 
by your righteous deeds, by all that you do in the service of your Savior, you are, you are putting together a spectacular garment for the wedding dinner. Don't show up unclothed. Have much to show for the Savior. Right? Have much to show for this. It's all about Him. It's all about our Master. It is not about us. It is all about the Savior. So we will be clothed in white garments. That is going to be spectacular. When we are all reflecting the glory of Jesus. It's going to be a great day. Secondly, I will not... Well, oh, by the way, all of these things have things to do with Sardis, the city, but I don't have time. But if you study the city of Sardis, you'll find these things were in their culture. So the Sardian church, the Sardian church would be like, oh, yeah. When we do that in the community, now I understand what Jesus is saying. But the second thing, I will not blot out his name from the book of life. My view is the book of life has everybody's name in it. And when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it is etched permanently in that book and it can never be taken out. You are eternally saved and secure. If, however, you do not trust Jesus in this lifetime, he blots your name out. You are no longer in the book. In the ancient city of Sardis, if you committed a, an offense, a felony or a misdemeanor, uh, and you were, you were found guilty and then maybe you were condemned to die or something, before you died, you would watch them block your name out. Like, you didn't exist. You, you were such a criminal and we're going to kill you. We're just going to block your name out. It's like you never lived here. And Jesus says, I'll never do that to you. I will never, ever do that to you. If you trust me, you are in heaven with me forever. You will not be blotted out of the book of life. And... The last thing, the third thing, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. This is incredible. There's going to come a day when Jesus, our Savior, and you and me are up in heaven, and he's going to say, Father, my father, here is Melissa Weaver, or Melissa Martin Weaver. And, um, and he will say this is my child by, by faith. He will, he will confess our name before the Father. What a privilege to be introduced to the Father through our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is coming for each one of us. He is going to say your name to the Father and say, I love this child. It's Andy's belly. Here you are, Father. He's going to do that. He's going to be like, it's going to be so, and, and we're going to be watching this, and it's going to be like, Tom Johnson, you're next. And it's going to be, Tom Johnson, Meet my father, and the, the heavenly father will be will hear about the great exploits of strength and virtue found in Don Johnson. That, that sort of thing. Isn't that exciting? Oh, come on, you guys. This is what we're living for. This is our future. A white robe, dressed in white garments. You are going to be forever in the book of life, and you will be confessed before the Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, if we need to do it, let's do it. If we are... Um, Flatlining, is that what you call it? If, you flat, if, we are, if, we, if we have no pulse or heartbeat, then we need some immediate help, don't you think? And so be vigilant. Listen, when you come to church from now on, every once in a while, think Sardis and think we're not going to let the enemy get a victory. The enemy is not going to get a victory. And if he does, he's never going to come in twice the same way. All right? Keep that in mind. Sorry, that's a little long. But this is such a great church. Next Sunday, we're going to finish the churches next Sunday morning and evening. That'll be all seven. Let's pray, and then we'll pass out the elements. So let's pray, and then we'll pass out the elements. And when you eat, remember, Christ died for you.
Father in heaven, thank you for this example of the Sardis Church. Wow. We are to be vigilant. We are to be watchful. We are to be remembering. We're going to strengthen one another this week. We're going to remember that we have been bought with a price, the Lord Jesus. We are going to hold fast to biblical truth. We're not going to allow um, to listen to what the world and other um, new evangelical and ecumenical systems will give us. We will hold fast and cling to that which is true. And so, Father, thank you that we can just humble ourselves and plead for the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to. We just want the Holy Spirit to so empower this church that the lost will be saved, the saved will be built up, and this church will have a strong testimony and heartbeat for the Lord Jesus Christ in our community. Help us, Father, to make an impact in Hermantown this week. So we thank you for it in Jesus.